that about wraps things up here for the afternoon. Maxine Sullivan with Poor You. We also heard from the Ink Spots, Kristen Chenoweth and Louis Prima. But we're out of time. I'm Mike Martini. Be back again tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Until then, take care. Stay tuned for Real Life Real Estate Investing coming up next here on 89.3 WNK. This is Bob Trumpy, proud to be a part of WMKV's winning lineup. Listen for Sports Tales Monday, 827 a.m. and 205 p.m. here on 89.3 FM, WMKV, Reading, Ohio. Good afternoon. It is 5 o'clock straight up. I'm Mike Martini with the WMKV News. Tri-State's winter storm warning has officially expired, or will so within the hour. Most main roads are clear in time for the evening commute home tonight. However, temperatures will remain below freezing, and strong cold winds will cause the occasional drifting this evening. We'll have the full forecast in a moment. Cincinnati road crews are asking residents for patience as they continue to clear off the snow. Officials say the overnight drops in temperature mixed with the blowing snow and occasional additional snow have hampered street clearing efforts and has created some ice over streets where plowing is no longer effective. Uh, they say the fight to clear all the roads will likely continue for several days. Boone County Sheriff's deputies caught an escapee from LaRue County, Kentucky. Uh, this morning, 21-year-old George Gaunt III of Ludlow was caught around 4 a.m. this morning after a deputy spotted a stolen fa- uh, Ford Crown Victoria at the Florence Rest Area. Gaunt was taken into custody without incident and is currently being held at the Boone County Detention Center. He's charged with escape and receiving stolen property. Two people were rescued from an apartment fire this morning in Clifton in the 300 block of Clifton Avenue. When fire crews arrived, they found a working fire on the second floor of a three-story multi-dwelling. Two occupants were trapped on the third floor balconies. Firefighters had to utilize a ladder to rescue them. Uh, those rescued were not injured. However, one firefighter was taken to the hospital after he stepped into a hole that was covered by snow. National news today. A small pre-dawn earthquake hit northern Illinois this morning, startling sleepy-eyed residents as far away as Iowa and Indiana. No serious damage or injuries were reported. U.S. Geological Survey reports it was a 4.3 magnitude earthquake, and uh, the epicenter was about 50 miles northwest of Chicago. USGS geophysicist Amy Vaughn says such quakes are very rare in that part of northern Illinois. She says the agency received reports from as far away as Wisconsin about feeling the ground shake. Wall Street today stocks closed lower as investors chewed over remarks from Fed Reserve Chairman Ben Bernanke on the central bank's plans to eventually ease the monetary support that's helping prop up the economy. Bulls focused on the opportunities presented by an accommodative monetary policy as well as decent corporate earnings. Bears, meanwhile, focused on deficits and fretted that the bailouts designed to overcome them will only make things worse. So at the close today, the Dow Industrials were down 20 points to 10,038. The NASDAQ lost just three points to 2148, and the S&P was down two to 1,068. Crude oil was up 69 cents to $74.44 a barrel. Gold, meanwhile, was down $6.30 to $1,071 an ounce. Although the Fed chief indicated that the economy is still in need of low interest rates, stocks slumped 
and the dollar rose immediately after Bernanke released the text of remarks that he had intended to deliver on Capitol Hill. Investors worry that the value of stocks and other assets will fall once the Fed begins raising interest rates. So that's what's going on around the tri-state and the country. And now, here's George with a look at this date in history. George. Thanks, Mike. And let's take a look at February 10th, going back to 1897. All the news that's fit to print appeared on the front page of the New York Times beginning this day. Now, Henry J. Raymond and two associates started the New York Times in 1851. In October of 1896, the paper held a contest offering readers a $100 prize if they could come up with a better slogan in 10 words or less than all the news that's fit to print. No one beat it. No one ever has. Also, 1933, the singing telegram was introduced by the Postal Telegraph Company of New York City. You'll thank me later for not singing that, although Mike can sing. Both of our mics here can sing. 1935, this one going out to our rail buffs. The Pennsylvania Railroad began passenger service with its new streamlined electric locomotive. The engine was 79 and a half feet long. It weighed in at 230 tons. Wow. And while we're at it, let's talk about 1961, one we touched upon in trivia just a few weeks ago. The Los Angeles franchise and the Old American Football League was transferred to San Diego. The previous year, Hollywood resident Gerald Courtney had won an all-expenses-paid trip to Mexico City and Acapulco after submitting the winning name, Chargers. The L.A. Chargers became San Diego Chargers in 1961. That's a look at Today in History, along with Mike Martini. I'm George Zahn. Thank you, George. And traffic right now, uh, pretty good news in that we have no accidents to report. Uh, We do have some backups, however, southbound 75 approaching the Brent Spence Bridge. And uh, on 275, uh, westbound a little slow toward Winton. Your weather forecast from the National Weather Service this evening, cloudy skies. Could see a few additional snowflakes, but no accumulations expected. And a chilly night tonight, the cold winds and some drifting snow and a low around 15 degrees. Tomorrow should see a few pokes of sunshine with highs around 27 or 28. And then on Friday, a little sun in the morning, clouds in the afternoon, a high around 28 degrees. Saturday through Sunday night, cloudy skies. Could see some snow showers Sunday night into President's Day Monday. Right now we're at 27 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Well, good evening, everyone. This is actually not Vena Jones-Cox today. This is Jim Shapiro. And I am filling in for Vina this week. Vina is uh, on the National RIA cruise, uh, leaving today somewhere out in the Caribbean for uh, five days of uh, education and, and seminars and probably a little sun and fun. 
So I am here filling in today. I'm very excited. This is actually the first time Venus ever had a guest host in her show in 12 years. Uh, she decided she would not, uh, rather than do a a pre-recorded show or a repeat, she's she wrangled me in to come uh, come do the show today. I'm very excited to be here. I've been on her show many times. Uh, joining me today is uh, uh, a good friend and a fellow investor, Jerry Fink. Jerry is a uh, past president of RIA, as he calls himself, a recovering CPA, uh, very uh, active renovator, and uh, does a lot of things in real estate, right. as well as some consulting on uh, real estate uh, bookkeeping and, and accounting. And Jerry's going to join us today and talk about uh, quick uh, using different tools for managing the books for your real estate business, how to do it, why to do it. Uh, Jerry is also, I'll take a second to, to note that this Saturday, uh, the Real Estate Investor Association is doing a, a full-day workshop, a hands-on workshop on uh, how to set up and manage your books for your real estate investing business. Jerry's going to be leading that. So I'll have more information about that later. And if you have interest in that, please uh, look at the Cincinnati RIA website at www.cincinnatiria.com or call the office over there at 859-292-RIA or 292-7342. We will be taking calls today and feel free to uh, send your uh, email questions into askvina.com or go to askvina.com and fill in your questions. We'll be getting those. Uh, At this point, let me uh, introduce Jerry and uh, welcome him to the show. Thank you, Jim. Thank (laughs) you. Good to be here. Um, let's uh, go ahead and mention those numbers. Uh, if anybody does have questions for us this evening, uh, if you're in the Cincinnati area, it's 513-772-9658, or outside the area, 1-877-772-9658, or again, askvina.com, and we will get those here in the studio. You can also uh, see her website uh, on uh, Facebook, realliferealestateradio.com. Uh, she's looking for... She was in a long time. She was fighting with Bacon to have the most uh, friends, but most I, I think fans. Bacon won. But most fans. Yeah. Uh, so Jerry, you you know you do work for me on, on bookkeeping. I right. know you know this stuff so well. What what are the uh, the first question? I guess I'll ask you about this is how much accounting does someone need to know to be able to keep their books and 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 have uh, have right. a way to manage their business this way. Right. I think um, a lot of people really are intimidated by the whole concept of accounting and uh, all the terms and everything that go with it. You really don't need to be. What what we really need to understand is enough about the basic concepts to be able to use the tools and be able really to manage our businesses. And that's really what we're, we're after when it's all said and done. So you'll hear terms like debit and credit. Okay. Those are just how we identify things in, in the in the business so we know uh, we can categorize things and classify them. Um, the, the the main pieces I think that people need to understand are just uh, what are assets, and assets simply are things that you own. There are liabilities; those are things that you owe. Um, you need to understand income, money that comes in, and you need to understand expenses, money that goes out. You get those four basic concepts down, and uh, again, using uh, a proper tool. Uh, the bookkeeping really is not difficult. Um, one thing that we, we really try to make sure people understand when I'm consulting with them and so forth, 
I'm not trying to make you an accountant. I'm trying to just help you get your books in shape so that you can take them to an accountant, to a tax professional, and so forth, and be able to um, to generate the appropriate reports, uh, tax returns, and so forth with the least amount of effort. So why is it important? What, what is <laughs> the benefit to uh, an investor who's got, you know, they're, they're getting their first rental property or they're doing their first rehab, or they've got a bunch of them and they're, they're working to manage it? What is the... Uh, Okay. What's the payoff? Okay, what's the payoff? The payoff really is understanding your business when you get right down to it. So the things that we want to be able to understand is, um, you know, how much cash do I have in the bank? You know, that's one real simple one. Um, what's the value of the properties that I that I own? Uh, what's the mortgage balance? How much do I owe on each of those properties? If I know what they're worth and how much I owe, I understand how much net value or equity I have in those particular property. Um, I may also want to know things like how much money did I make or lose on a particular property over a period of time. Uh, those of us who have been around this for a while understand that in any given year, you can make money or lose money on a particular property. So I may want to look at a year. I may want to look at the lifetime that I've had that particular property. So those are things that I want to be able to understand. I want to be able to understand oh, things like what is the net worth? What is my net worth in my properties? Um, I also use these tools to look at my personal books as well as my business books. So I can look at my personal net worth. I can look at my net worth in each of my uh, property companies and so forth, and then uh, actually be able to look at those all, uh, all together as well. Um, another thing I want to be able to understand are trends, what's happening over time. So I can look at what was my net worth, say, a year ago, and what is it now? And how much uh, ground have I gained or lost, you know, in that particular year? Um, I want to be able to look at things like where do I spend my money and how much money do I spend on a particular category? For instance, I may want to look at utility costs. I want to see how much electricity I use or something like that. Um, I may want to, if I'm in the rental side of the business, Understand which tenants owe me money. That's uh, something that's very important to understand. Uh, you know, I build them at the beginning of the month, and I want to know who's paid and who hasn't. Uh, be able to assess late fees and go out and do my seven-day notice or three-day notice here in, in Ohio, that sort of thing. Um, How will it help me as I do rehabs? Okay. When you're doing rehabs, one of the things that you want to be able to look at is where do I stand against uh, a budget? When, whenever I buy a property, and I know you're the same way, we look at when we're doing the analysis of the property when we buy it, we look at a budget. How much are we planning to spend on the property? How much are we planning to spend on the rehab? How much are we planning to spend on the holding costs while we're, while we're getting that property ready? Uh, what's our projected profit? Or if we're going to turn around and refinance it, what are we expecting to be able to do as far as rental income? And with, uh, with the right bookkeeping tools, those are easy to do. So I can actually look at the budget and see where I stand against that rehab budget. And, uh, you know, one of the things I want to be able to look at is over time, how do I do against that? Am I always over budget? Do I always underestimate material costs? Do I always underestimate labor costs? Do I always underestimate holding costs, which is one that's very easy to underestimate if it takes you six months instead of six weeks to, to finish that rehab, for instance. So those are the types of things that a good booking, bookkeeping system can help you really get a good handle on. Once I have that kind of data, what, what can I 
What can I use it for? How can I manage my business with it? Okay. Um, once you once you understand where you stand and how you are performing, then you can go back and kind of get introspective with that and look and see where is it that I'm spending too much money or missing an opportunity. One of the things I looked at uh, several years ago uh, when I was first started doing a lot of uh, of heavy duty rehabs was where I stood against my rehab costs, and I I actually understood at that point that I was um, miss uh, estimating some things up front, so I got very, uh, very much better estimating the things up front. So that introspection and actually being able to kind of analyze what it is that's going on in your business is real important. So it's not doing it from the seat of the pants, right? Right. I know that one a lot. Well, we, yeah. we're uh, we're about to take a break. Before we break, let me just uh, remind everyone: you can send in questions to askvina.com or call us at 513-772-9658 or 877-772-9658. And we'll be back in a moment. Support for WMKV comes from the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati, a nonprofit educational association with programs available for real estate investors at all levels of experience. RIA meets on the first and third Thursdays of every month. More information about RIA and their meetings is available at 859-292-7342. Checking on traffic right now. No accidents. That's good news. We do have some backups. Southbound 75 at the Brent Spence Bridge. Northbound 75 a little heavy around Mitchell. And again, you're on the brakes a little bit approaching uh, Glendale Milford. Uh, northbound 71 a little slow in the vicinity of uh, Pfeiffer. But uh, traffic down a little bit this afternoon. Some folks might be staying home because of this week's wild winter weather. Speaking of the weather, weather forecast from the National Weather Service, the winter storm warning expires uh, within the hour, and uh, really pretty much the precipitation is done already. Uh, We'll have some cloudy skies tonight, maybe an occasional flurry or two, but uh, lows around 15 degrees, and then tomorrow partly sunny skies. Cold tomorrow, a high temperature only around 28 degrees, and in fact, I look ahead to the extended forecast all the way through next Tuesday, I don't see anything above the lower 30s, so we're going to stay below freezing or right at freezing for the next several days into next week. Right now, though, we are at 27 degrees here at 89.3. WMKV Real Life Real Estate Investing continues after this. Programming on WMKV is supported by the Knowles of Oxford. The Knowles of Oxford is now building new spacious cottages in their development Redbud Trace on campus. The Knowles offers an active retirement with all the benefits of a college town. More information about the new Redbud Trace cottages and the entire Knowles campus is available at 513-524-7990. That's 513-524-7990. Hi, and welcome back to Real Life Real Estate. This is Jim Shapiro filling in for Vena Jones-Cox. Uh, my guest today is Jerry Fink. We're talking about uh, bookkeeping for real estate investors, uh, a subject that a lot of us probably know we need to do differently and better, and yet it's so easy to put that off. And I know I've had some horrible years where come the end of the year, I'm having to scramble and get everything updated. I'm getting extensions. Now I'm looking at October 15th, and I have not quite got everything done. And my accountant's saying, Jim, I need your records. Uh, if we do this right, Jerry, how much time and effort does it take on a, to get it set up and then to do it on an ongoing basis? Okay. 
Well, setting it up, um, obviously, the the earlier in your career you do that, the easier it is because you have less volume. Um, but actually setting up uh, the bookkeeping system initially, uh, if I'm starting, say, working with a brand-new investor who is just buying their first property, we typically can go through, do the analysis of exactly what it is that they need to do, get their uh, system installed, up and running, all the basic definitions, that sort of thing. We usually can do that within about a half a day. Uh, as far as actually getting it set up. Uh, and then teaching them how to actually use it. You know, you, uh, I'll typically sit down with them and, and hammer in, you know, the first uh, several transactions that they do, you know, the first couple buys or a couple sells or their first couple rental activities and that sort of thing. And then they're usually pretty pretty much ready to go, um, alluding to, as you were, the, uh, you know, that pile of paper in the corner that you know you need to do before April 15th. Um, that's not the way to do it. <laughs> um, I know I, that one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always try to um, try to set aside about uh, four hours a week is typically what I'm what I'm spending on my own books. Um, and that's uh, that's managing a total of, uh, of four companies uh, in my books, uh, fifteen different properties. Plus, there's usually a rehab or two going on at the same time. Plus, my consulting business. Um, so I do all of that in, a, in about four hours a week, and that's all my entry, all my bill paying, uh, running some reports, and just kind of looking at the business. Well, that's not too bad, four hours a week. Uh, and I know if you let it go, it can end up being 40 to 80 hours at the right. end of the year, and right. it's a whole lot easier, I guess, to come up with four hours a week right. than right. Uh, two solid weeks to get it done to meet a deadline. Right. Well, then there's also the alternative, turn it all over to your accountant. Right. And, and you know, a lot of people do that. They, they use what I call the shoebox approach, where everything just goes in the shoebox through the course of the year, and then they take the box to the accountant at the end of the year and expect them to be able to miraculously untangle all that, uh, all that stuff, you know. Um, you are, are going to be much more adept at uh, understanding what a particular expense is. There's a receipt here for, you know, $62.12 with no label on it. How's the accountant supposed to understand that? So the accountant is not going to be efficient at inputting all that stuff, and you're going to miss a lot of um, the expenses and deductions that you should be able to take. So setting up something where you are actively involved, whether it's whether it is you or whether you hire a bookkeeper, which is, you know, something that most of us do once uh, – you know, once we get a little bit further down the road, um, just being involved in, and helping helping them understand what all your expenses and, and costs and income and everything is, it just uh, is so, so much easier. Um, you take all that stuff to the accountant in the shoebox at the end of the year, it's going to be very expensive because they're going to they're going to charge you the time it takes them to sit down and figure all that out. Well, and I know when I work with my bookkeeper and she pulls out a receipt that's like you said, Jim, what's this? I can look at it, and I can know, let's see, we were working on that house then, we bought, we did these things. Very often I can look at that receipt and know what it was for, Right. and the bookkeeper's not going to know that, oh, of the 16 houses it could be for, it was for this one, because that was vacant and we were rehabbing it uh, during the period when that right. item was purchased. Right, right. So, you know, you mentioned some of the benefits of, of being involved. I heard a story that one of your clients... Uh, ended up with a huge tax refund. Right. Tell us that story. It, it was kind of interesting. Um, she actually, uh, this this class that I'm doing uh, this Saturday, she came to that class last year. And um, she had, had grown her business to the point where she knew that she needed to do something. Um, 
in her uh, absolute uh, honor, <laughs> uh, she had an incredible set of manual books. Um, she reconciled bank accounts. She reconciled her credit cards. She had everything just absolutely perfect as far as that goes. She even went to the point of putting together uh, property statements, um, and and she oh. she had taken those and her manual books to to her tax accountant, and he had put together the tax return based on on what she had given him. Now, when she came to me and wanted me to help her set up her books, she also knew that something wasn't right. She said, you know, I, I paid way too much in taxes last year, and I don't know why. So we, we went ahead and we set up her 2009 books and input, like I was talking about before. We took her first several transactions. We input them into the system, and we ran some of the reports and looked at them. And then she pulled out her manual reports on those same properties, and her manual reports were showing much higher profit. And the reason that was is she had not accounted for, as part of the cost of that transaction, things like the utility bills and so forth uh, associated with that property. And in her case, that amounted to about $100,000 difference in, in expense. Wow. All That's right? a lot of un un unclaimed. Unclaimed expenses. Right. So actually what, what she did once we uh, worked on her 2009 book, she went back and redid her 2008 books and took the revised books to her accountant who filed an amended return, and she got a tax return of almost $40,000 just from having good records. That's a uh, $40,000. That'll 40, pay a lot of bookkeeping support. Yes, it will. <laughs> uh, good for her. Good for you. That's, uh, uh, that's remarkable. Yeah, that was one of those uh, kind of really nice, uh, really unexpected wins because all she was trying to do, she had grown to the point where she just you know, was overwhelming to try to keep up with it manually. Uh, so this was actually kind of a nice little windfall uh, that we were able to, to find for her. Yeah. And so now um, is she doing her books herself? She actually does her books herself. Yeah. Does she? Yeah. And I, um, I think she probably spends probably somewhere around – four to six hours a week on them. Uh, she does a, a good volume of business. So, you know, that's obviously uh, is going to be a big determinant in how long it takes you to do it is how much volume you're doing. Right. Yeah. So if you just have one or two rental houses and, and uh, maybe a rehab, mm -hmm. once a year you're doing a rehab, how much time is, would someone expect to spend in a case like that? Again, if, if you're spending even, even not really – Understanding accounting and so forth. If you're spending more than four hours a week doing that, that's 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 too much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had a friend who was managing 20 properties and lots of projects at a general contracting business, and he spent about he he spent he did Friday morning from eight to twelve. He did his mm -hmm. books. Yep. yep. And uh, and he did a it, it kept him on track. Right. Uh, right. As opposed to me, <laughs> Jerry works with me. He knows how my uh, my bookkeeping is and. Sir, one of the lessons in this business is the things you're not good at, it's real expensive to do yourself. Right. And it just makes more sense. I realize I need to have a bookkeeper because I am, I am not real good at it and I'm not, it's not one of my, it's not one of the, the fe features that I'm good at or strong at. And it makes more sense to bring in somebody else who can do it well and do it in less time than, uh, have me spend an awful lot of time. And right. I did it myself for years. Right. As my business grew, it, it became a bigger well, bigger and, challenge to keep up with it. And what you're really talking about there is, is that the best use of your time? Right. And no, it's not. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're much better at going out and 
finding new business and managing properties and that sort of thing, um, your bookkeeper is much more adept <laughs> at that than you will ever be. All right. Um, let me again uh, remind everybody that uh, we can take questions today. On the, you can call us on uh, 513-772-9658 or toll-free 877-772-9658 or reach us, uh, email your questions in from askvina.com. So, you know, why bother? What are what are the other advantages? What are the things you're going to be able to do besides, you know, your taxes mm-hmm. uh, once you've got good books? Okay, well, another, another one that really comes to mind is um, having a good set of of financial statements, which is really what we're talking about here, uh, and borrowing money. Because in this business, you are going to borrow money. You're going to go to a bank, you're going to go to a private lender, whatever it is. When you go to a bank, any of you who have, have applied for any kind of a mortgage, even on your own home, knows that the bank wants a, you know, a pile of reports and a pile of information. And once you get into the, this business, they are going to want to see a set of financial statements. Um, you know, a good accounting tool is able to create those statements automatically, uh, just kind of as base reports. So if, if you have a current and valid set of financial statements that have come out of one of these tools, uh, you take it to your banker, uh, it's going to make it much easier. You're going to be much more credible. The other one is that when you go to a private lender, uh, the same thing really applies. If you can show a private lender a solid set of financial statements, um, you know, what your income and expenses have been for last year, however many years you've been in business, that sort of thing, um, your balance sheet, your net worth, uh, what strength you have on your balance sheet, that sort of thing, it's going to make it much easier for you to be able to borrow money, again, either conventionally or through the, the private lender. One other thing I know uh, we were talking about at the REA meeting last week. The difference between managing this as though it's you, mm-hmm. and managing as though it's a business, right. and you know we organize our businesses into LLCs and we restructure them in ways to create a distinction between Jim and Jim's real estate business. Correct. How does having your books managed this way support that? Um, Actually, the, the tools that we use um, typically uh, are, are, are designed to do that so that I can have, actually have different instances of the accounting records. So in my case, for instance, I have my personal books and then I have a set of books for each of my companies so that uh, you know I can actually look at any one of those independently. Um, you know, most people wouldn't keep a set of books on their on their personal. But again, because of the way my mind works, it's easier <laughs> It's easier for me to just do that than to try to keep a second system of just a checkbook and, and that sort of thing. So it's actually much easier for me to just think in terms of, I just do this all the same so I don't have to think about which one am I in. So, okay. you know. That makes good sense. Right, well, uh, we're about to uh, stop for a break here. Uh, again, send your email questions to uh, askvina.com uh, and... Call us at 877-772-9658 or locally at 772-9658. Support for WMKV comes from the Cincinnati Arts Association presenting the Peking Acrobats at the Aronoff Center on Friday, February 19th at 7.30 p.m. 
Accompanied by live musicians, these Chinese acrobats perform daring maneuvers and precision gymnastics with uncommon agility and grace, creating a festive pageantry of a Chinese carnival. Tickets at the Aronoff Center box office, 513-621-ARTS, or at CincinnatiArts.org. Let's take a little check on traffic right now, and still no accidents. That's certainly good news. We do have some backups on northbound 71 near Red Bank, uh, approaching Pfeiffer. Also some backups southbound 71 the ramp to 471, a little slower than usual tonight. Over on 75 northbound, some backups around Paddock, and then again at Glendale-Milford, uh, up to 275. Southbound 75 slows up where it always does on the approach to the Brent Spence Bridge. Weather forecast, the winter storm morning is expiring, and uh, you can expect cloudy skies tonight. Maybe a flurry or two, but no accumulating snow. That part's done and moved on to the east where Washington can have fun with it. Tonight's low around 15 degrees. Chance of additional precipitation, 30%. For tomorrow, partly sunny skies, but cold. A high of only 27 degrees on Friday, partly sunny in the morning. Clouding up a little bit in the afternoon, a high around 28 degrees. The next uh, significant snowfall could get some accumulating snow Sunday night into President's Day Monday. And uh, the daytime high temperatures, we're going to stay right around upper 20s, lower 30s, all the way through next Tuesday. If you love music, you'll love WMKV's evening lineup tonight. At 8 p.m. after Mystery Playhouse, it's Hit Parade Highlights. At 9 o'clock tonight, Don't Miss In Concert. And at 10 p.m., Barbershop Harmony. Followed at 11 p.m. by Music Till Midnight. Your favorites are right here every day on 89.3 FM, WMKV, the way radio was and is meant to be. Hi, and welcome back to Real Life Real Estate. This is Jim Shapiro filling in for Vena Jones-Cox with my guest today, Jerry Fink. We're talking about using uh, effective and reasonable bookkeeping practices and tools for managing your real estate businesses. One of the questions that I know I have as I look at how to do my books better is, am I going to have to change how I think about everything, how I do everything? You know, what is the... What am I going to have to learn in order to uh, have better books and, and, and be able to get the kind of results that you're talking about? Right. Um, a lot of the, the modern tools um, are organized around what, what I would call familiar metaphors. So, for instance, you write a check in the system. And when you go in to write a check, the, the form on the, on the screen looks just like a check. So you fill in the, the check number and the date and the pay to the order of and the amount, and then you fill in, you know, what is it that you're uh, writing this check for? So uh, the the metaphor of writing a check, the same thing that we learned, most of us, before we even learned to drive, we learned how to, how to write a check. So, you know, it's, it's very familiar. You make a deposit, so you go into the deposit screen, you say, okay, what bank am I putting this in? Who paid me? What did they pay me for? What was the amount? Did they pay me by check or cash or whatever it might be? Um, you enter a bill into the system. You know, um, one of the, the nice thing about most of these current tools is that uh, you have the ability to enter things as a bill, and then when you sit down to write checks or pay bills, um, it's all in the system already. You don't have to let it pile up in the corner and then once a month sit down and, and do it all. You can do it as they come in. Um, so you can enter a bill, then you can turn around and pay a bill. Again, things that we 
that are that are just kind of logical to to us and how we run our everyday lives. Um, if you have tenants, you may create an invoice for their rent, which is something that I do. Um, it's it's interesting how uh, tenants will tend to pay you if you bill them, and somehow they forget that they owe rent if you don't. Um, yeah, I've noticed that. <laughs> I had uh, I had one month oh. Oh, six, eight months ago, I I was just I got too busy and I I didn't get invoices out, and that month I had one heck of a time collecting rent because it's like everybody forgot that they lived there, you know. <laughs> I noticed that too. <laughs> so that's that's kind of a nice one. So you, you create an invoice and and send that out uh, each month, and then when the rent does come in, what you do is you receive a payment and you pay off that invoice. So uh, again, just very natural, normal ways of doing things so that we don't really have to relearn our thought processes, uh, just learn a little bit about how to actually uh, manipulate the system. So that uh, I think makes it a lot easier for the the non-professional, the non-accountant to actually be able to do this uh, for themselves. Now, and we usually don't talk about specific products on on the show. Uh, In this case, though, there's really one product that kind of dominates uh, the, the whole QuickBooks thing is that the you know the that that really does seem to be the de facto standard, if you will, in the industry. So, um, you know, it's a it kind of is the one that most of us use. Um, I know in in your particular business we're using a different one because of some of the other needs that you have. But even uh, in that product, um, the the metaphors and everything are the same. You still right. write a check, you enter a bill, you know, and so forth. So. Um, the concepts are, are very, very similar. Um, you know, I, I actually come out of the IT world selling big accounting systems, and the metaphors are the same. Everything from, you know, money and Quicken way at the bottom end through QuickBooks, which actually has um, uh, more advanced features that we need in order to do some of the pieces of our business, up into the peach trees and, and all the way up into um, the Oracles and SAPs, the, the big stuff that... GE and and those folks use. So know. they're just uh, similar concepts, but more sophisticated, more, more tools, robust, more as, robust you, as you get bigger. Yeah. Sure. Well, we've got a caller on line one. Uh, before I invite Robert to ask his question, let me remind everyone that our phone number to call in your questions is five one three seven seven two nine six five eight or eight seven seven nine. Excuse me, eight seven 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 two nine six five eight. Robert, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Yes, thank you uh, very much. Uh, Jim, you're doing a fabulous job. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Jerry, too, I've listened to you for uh, a while, and I've learned a lot from you and uh, Jim. Good, good. Thank you. Uh, my question is, uh, I've, I've really kind of struggled with this for a while, and I'm, I'm hoping you can help me with this. Uh, I use my, uh, my own uh, home equity line of credit. Okay. To to finance my uh, transactions and okay. you know all my uh, activity, uh, how how do I go about documenting that? Okay, all right. The way that that I do that is I have actually established a a mortgage, a long term liability, uh, which is my equity line, and then as I borrow it against it, uh, that increases that liability, and as I make payments against it, it reduces that uh, liability. Do you understand what I'm talking about, or do I need to try to go deeper into that? What you're saying, you just uh, 
you just withdraw from that and then you move the money into your business checking account? Um, yes, and then in the business is where I account for that as a mortgage. That's the easiest way to think of it. I have I have borrowed money. In this case, instead of borrowing it from ABC Bank, I've borrowed it from Robert Personal. <laughs> okay, so um, rather than than try to get it real real muddied, because a lot of times if if you're like most of us, you're using that that uh, equity line not only for real estate, but you also also may be doing just personal things with it, and you don't want to get that muddied up in your in your business books. So I just carry the portion of it that is real estate related in my books. So if I borrow $20,000 to buy a house, I create a mortgage in my business books for $20,000. All right, so are you saying then that, that you draw up a mortgage or a promissory note? No, I don't formally do that. Um, I guess if you wanted to get on the real legal side, maybe you should, but uh, I haven't gone to that extent. But you account for it the same as you would a mortgage. It. I account for it the same way that I would a mortgage, yes. Okay. So when when you're doing it that way, you're not making a owner contribution to the business. The business is borrowing money from the owner in a more formal way. It's in not a, a more formal it's way. Not a, it's not a capital contribution. Right. Because I'm not um and, and let me let me make a distinction for some of the people that don't really understand that. If I took that $20,000 out of my personal bank account and put it into the business, that's what Jim's talking about as a, as a capital contribution. Um, that would be the other way that I could I could account for it. But when I have a, um, an underlying liability, which is what your equity line is, I want to kind of uh, just logically keep it segregated as, as a liability. And within accounting uh, partence, that would be a long-term liability, a mortgage. Okay. All right, so so you you do not issue any type of document for that? I haven't, um, but you, you do bring up a good point just uh, from a legal perspective. It, it probably would make sense. Now, I am not an attorney, so you know I'm not going <laughs> to definitely give you legal advice, but it would probably make sense to have Robert, comma, member sign a note to Robert personal for that 20, uh, just to kind of uh, create that uh, segregation between your personal and your and your business. That's probably not a bad idea. Yeah. Okay, and uh, well, what I what I find myself doing is having to do this several times. You know, I I don't uh, withdraw a lump sum. Right. Like I'll withdraw one sum to buy the house, and then I'll withdraw. Uh, say in increments of five thousand to uh, finance the uh, rehabs. Right, right. So I mean, theoretically, I could be ending up with uh, a number of these promissory notes. You could, although again, within your accounting system, I would still have one balance. I would have the twenty thousand that I borrowed initially, and then there would be another entry for the five thousand and the five thousand and the five thousand. And when it's all put together, I have a forty-five thousand dollar mortgage, if you will, uh, against my home equity line. Right, understood. Okay, so then how how do you then account for the interest that you paid mm-hmm. on that amount? Okay. Your, your interest that you pay on that amount would be part of your payment every month, right? So you make a $1,000 payment, and of that, $200 of it is interest. On the check that you write to the 
to the bank for your uh, for your equity line, you would have two lines, two distribution lines on that check. The first one is $800 against the mortgage principal, and then the second line is $200 for mortgage expense. And then at the end of the year, you're going to get your 1098 form, if you're familiar with that, from your your bank, and they're going to say over the course of the year you paid you know, $1,273.12 in interest. Does that make sense? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I understand the part about the 1098, uh, but, but are you saying I should be paying back my, my own bank, uh, from the business checking account? Yes. Yes. I should. Yes. Yes, because that is actually the way that you're using it, it is a business expense. So you want to be able to account for it as a business expense. Okay, but why wouldn't I just pay myself back? Because that is from uh, whom I borrowed the money. It, it is, although if it's an equity line, um, it is viewed, you know, as a as a uh, as a liability, as a mortgage. Even though it is your your equity in your bank or in your house, yes. uh, it's still viewed as a a loan against that equity. I think part of the question there is when you take out the loan and you write up the the, the note, the promissory note that says, I, Robert, comma, personal, uh, loan $20,000 to Robert's LLC, whatever the name is, for the purpose of investing in a piece of real estate, uh, it, that'll keep it clear. And then whether you, I, I don't know if it matters that much who who the check's written to, as long as it, it's clear that this was the payment was made to pay back that loan, right, and not to give Robert a an owner draw from the business, because if right. you write a check to yourself, Robert, it risks being looked at as an owner draw, where you're taking equity out of your business, which is a whole different story than paying back uh, a promissory note where you loan mm-hmm. money to the business. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, one accountant suggested to me that. Uh, I write the promissory note to say that uh, it would not be uh, paid back until uh, a sale or refinance of right. that uh, investment property. Right, right. And who's, is, is who's, that, who's paying? Is that a way to do it, too? It, it absolutely is. Um, is the interest accruing, or are you actually making payments every month? Uh. Well, the interest is accruing, and I'm paying me personally against the home equity line of credit as I get the bills each month. Okay, so you are actually making monthly payments to the bank. Yes, I am. Okay, okay. I am. Are okay. you making them out of your money or out of the company's money? Uh, out of my own personal funds. Uh, I mean, that's fine as long as when you when you actually do sell or refinance that property, you don't just pay back the forty five thousand. You pay back the forty-five thousand plus the, you know, two thousand two hundred and seventy-three dollars in interest that's been accrued. Okay, and then I would just kind of prorate that interest based on the interest rate that is stated on my uh, monthly statement that is sent to me each month from the bank, right? Right. Right. Yep. Okay, yep. and that would be good enough to to satisfy the IRS in case of an audit. Yeah. Now. Let me just real quickly touch on this because we're about to go to another break. But the other thing is that when you're talking about an LLC, it is what's known as a pass-through entity. 
So you're from from the IRS perspective, not from the legal perspective, but from the IRS perspective, you and your LLC are essentially one. And that's very different if you were if we were talking about like a C corporation. That's a totally different animal. But as long as you're doing it in LLCs, those are what are known as pass-through entities. So in a certain sense, it doesn't make a huge amount of difference whether it's uh, personal or business, except that business interest is deductible, personal interest is not. So that's why I want, in most cases, to pay that from, from my business account so it's recognized as business expense and not personal expense. Yeah, yeah, but even though I'm getting a 1098 from the bank showing the interest that I paid, yes, them, yes, which in, which shows the entire amount. It it does, and if if and like you said a minute ago, if it's prorated between personal use and and business use, then only the business use piece of it is deductible, and the you know the uh, the personal piece of the interest is not. So yes, you would prorate that in that case. Okay. Okay. Um. Okay. All right. I think I got it. All right. Thanks, Robert. Thank you. you. uh, We're going to take a break here, and we'll come back. Uh, If you have questions, again, go to www.askvina.com. I've got a couple we'll cover in the next section, uh, or call us at 877-772-9658, or locally, 513-772-9658. Support for WMKV comes from the Fitton Center for Creative Arts, located on the east bank of the Great Miami River in downtown Hamilton, inviting you to participate in their community education programs this winter. Classes are designed for a wide variety of ages and geared towards all skill levels. Youth classes include pottery, drawing, cartooning, and painting. Registration information at 513-863-8873 or fittoncenter.org. Check out on traffic right now. No accidents. That's good. We have some backups, though. Northbound 71 at Red Bank. South 71 ramps to 471. Also, South 75 approaching the Brent Spence Bridge. Northbound 75 at the Lateral and again at Glendale Milford. Your weather forecast from the National Weather Service this tonight. The cloudy skies, some snow flurries, but no big accumulations expected. I think that's all to the east now. And uh, tonight's low around 25. Tomorrow, partly cloudy with a high around uh, 20, let's see, tomorrow's high 25, tonight's low 15. And uh, we're going to stay pretty much in that range for the next several days. We'll see too many temperatures above freezing through next Tuesday. Right now we're at 27 degrees, and you're listening to 89.3 WMKV. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Real Life Real Estate. This is Jim Shapiro filling in for Vena Jones-Cox today and my guest, Jerry Fink. We have a question from the AskVena.com website. Uh, Hi, Jim and Jerry. Can you advise on simple and effective means to categorize and track expenses in the startup phase, I guess the business startup phase, prior to investing in software and or hiring bookkeeping help? Okay. Um it's really pretty simple in that startup phase because actually all you are doing is accumulating your startup costs. So uh, in, in, a, uh, in the simplest logical terms, that is a one account <laughs> uh, set of bookkeeping. So, um, you know, the cost to form your LLC, um, the initial cost of your advertising, whatever that is, is all uh, just going to be categorized as startup costs. 
And what is actually going to happen is that once then the business actually begins and you buy your first property or whatever, the startup costs are actually going to be amortized. I don't, I'm not a tax guy, but uh, I forget over, I think it's seven years is what the, um, what is what the uh, startup costs are amortized over. Okay. You know, some people think, oh, I'm, I'm just starting. I don't need a product like QuickBooks yet. I don't need a system at that stage. Uh, what do you think about that? At what point does it make sense to, to, to bite the bullet and and set up a product or system to do this? Um, it really it really is so much easier if you do that early on, um, literally before you even buy your first property. Uh, QuickBooks is not expensive, um, uh, and it, it, again, is relatively easy. You get the system set up. You, uh, you do something, you know, like the course that we're doing for our members on on Saturday or, uh, you know, somebody else's system. Uh, You just get that system in place, and then you already are familiar with it. So when that first property comes in, you just enter it, and away you go. Um, It's a lot more difficult, like, you know, in your business where we're trying to implement a a system when you have 82 properties or whatever it is. uh, It's it's a challenge then because it's it's what I re- used to refer to in, when we were doing this, you know, with the big companies. You're, you're changing the flywheel on the engine while it's still running. You still have to run the business, and you're trying to implement stuff. So it actually is a lot easier to do this up front and have it in place and just be able to take it and run with it. I would agree, and I know when I first started and I was just buying my own properties, now I manage for others. Uh, I set up, you know, I bought QuickBooks and I set it up, and it really wasn't that complicated to get started. So, right. so let's talk a little bit. You're, you're doing a workshop on Saturday. Right. With the Real Estate Investor Association of Greater Cincinnati is sponsoring a full day workshop. Right. Uh, what, what is that going to cover? Okay, we I actually have it broken into two pieces, if you will. We have a morning agenda and an afternoon agenda. The morning agenda is um, is kind of the accounting primer and and just getting your stuff set up. So I. I go through in more depth, obviously, than we did um, this evening, uh, accounting concepts, you know, the, the whole concept of what is uh, dual-entry accounting and more detail into what assets are and, and all that sort of thing. We go through and we, we actually, in the, in the system, go ahead and set up a brand-new company file and show you how to do that, how to set it up for yourself on that first uh, time through. We go in and we establish an initial chart of accounts. I show you how to modify the chart of accounts, add things to it, all those sorts of things. Then we go through basic transactions. We go through how do you record a check, how do you record a deposit, all that sort of thing. Then we go into more advanced transactions, which are things like uh, entering bills into the system, uh, using memorized transactions. For instance, uh, if you have one uh, tenant, it's pretty easy to just create one bill and, and send it out. If you have, like, like Jim does, you know, 82 um, uh, tenants, you wouldn't want to have to sit there and, and pound out 82 bills every month. So what you do is you memorize those, those transactions so with a single uh, keystroke you could create all those invoices at once. Um, recording the purchase and the sale of a house, uh, doing reconciliations within the system. How do you reconcile bank accounts? How do you reconcile credit cards? Uh, and then I get into some reporting, uh, get into what is a balance sheet and what does it mean, uh, get into the income statement, what does that mean, uh, comparative statements, comparing your income statement this year to last year, your balance sheet this year to last year, that sort of thing. Then in the afternoon, it's more of a workshop where I'm inviting people 
to if they if they're already using QuickBooks to bring in questions. You know, if you have it on your laptop, go ahead and bring the laptop in, and we can sit there and play with it. And you know, I'm having trouble doing whatever it is, and I'll help you, you know, get through that. Uh, any specific questions? Uh, get deeper into some of the reporting capabilities. Uh, how to use the filters? Uh, include and exclude type of statements in the reports, so you can really uh, customize the statements to get what it is that you're that you're looking for. Um, exercising the system through specific scenarios. I want to be able to understand how I input a new property, how I record all the re the rehab costs against it, how I go ahead and then sell it and recognize the cost of goods sold against that so I truly, truly understand what it is that I've made on that property. Uh, and really just whatever uh, the the attendees want to do. It is a true unstructured workshop for the afternoon of just whatever anybody needs to get into. It sounds, uh, sounds like a great session. Uh, I had a question come from Max asking, is there a specific version of QuickBooks that people need or we don't I don't, no. I don't want to dwell on the single product, but I know there's... No, actually, um, QuickBooks, um, I'm still using uh, version uh, 2006, and they're all the way up to 2010 now. Um, I haven't seen any reason to, to go forward. 2006 does everything that I need to do. It also comes in a basic version, a premier, I think is what the next version is called, and a pro version. I like the pro version just because it does have... Uh, the ability, it, for instance, if you need to add more people to your company and have more than one person with access to it, it has that multi-user capability, some things like that. And then there's one called the Enterprise Edition, which very few people in this business actually need. Okay. Well, we've, we've got just a few minutes left. Uh, any last, you know, what are, what, are the, what are the biggest pitfalls people could run into if they don't do this right? we got a minute or two left. Right? Okay. Um, some of the, the biggest things that you're going to run into are, um, you know, like the story I told about uh, the, the gal who had missed a lot of expenses. You know, you, you are not complete, so you're not getting, you know, you're not getting everything accounted for on your tax uh, uh, returns, that sort of thing. Um, you miss things that are happening in your business. You miss trends. You, um, you know, maybe maybe you have an apartment building and the uh, the, the water bill goes through the roof. If you're not paying attention and you don't look at trends, you might not realize that for several months. Um, you spend way too much money on on getting your taxes prepared because if your if your tax return person is actually uh, creating the whole set of books, you're paying anywhere from usually seventy-five to maybe two hundred dollars an hour to have that sort of work done. Um, so. You know, you're you're not being efficient. Uh, you're not understanding your business. You're not managing your business nearly as effectively as you should be. Well, that sounds like a, a lot of good reasons. Uh, again, uh, if you're interested in more information about this workshop that RIA is sponsoring, you can go to our, the RIA website at www.cincinnatiria.com or uh, call the RIA office at eight five nine two nine two. 7342. Uh, at this point, we're uh, wrapping up. Uh, thank you very much, Jerry. It's been Thanks, a pleasure Jim. having you today. It's been great to be here. Good luck with the, the session okay, Saturday, and uh, we'll see you again next week on Real Life Real Estate.
Live the memories and love the memories. Jack Benny, Gildersleeve, the Whistler, and I like them. I mean, you know, they're, they're neat. It brings back a lot of...